Hey. It's the Bojack Horse Friends. Hello and welcome to Bojack Horse Friends. I'm Ben. I am Ashton. And yeah, we do this podcast about Bojack Horseman and also a little bit about us. A little bit about us. And that's our theme song. <laughs> if you want to give us some feedback, feel free to do so. We've got Twitter at BHorseFriends, one word. We've got Reddit, uh, r slash Bojack Horsefriends. We've got Facebook, just search it. Um, I think that's all of them, eh? Yeah. So a little bit of follow-up from last time. Really not much, but the only thing is that we wanted to mention the art. Uh, we have our art up. You'll never see this show without it, but it, we only just got it. So I uh, wanted to mention... Luca Cinieri, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's Italian. Uh, he did this art for us by commission. You can find him on Etsy. Some good stuff, some uh, interesting kind of styles that he can he can mimic in order to create some cool stuff. So Thanks, Luca. We watched episode four of season one of Bojack Horseman. This one is called Zoe's and Zelda's. Very aptly named. Yeah, it's, a, it's quite different. It's a bit lighter than some of the previous episodes this one focusing a bit more on the characters relationships and it's, it's very character developy i think it opens it opens almost with like a seinfeld sort of vibe as well yeah yeah definitely that kind of bass riff at the beginning <laughs> yeah yeah and him doing stand-up and we this is the first time i think we meet herb kazaz who was mentioned previously great character voiced by stanley tucci yeah oh my goodness he's one of my favorite actors i really love stanley tucci. oh how good is he so good. he made the hunger games really watchable <laughs> i i like the first and second movie the hang against and he's a he's a zelda do you want to explain this zelda zoe scenario oh yeah that's a good idea so uh bojack has his show horsing around and we mentioned before mr peanut butter's house which was kind of a rip-off where, mr. Peanut butter. where um mr peanut butter adopts two twins called zoe and zelda and i wrote down here Zelda is a sunny, fun-loving extrovert, while Zoe is a smart, cynical introvert. And some of the characters in this episode attempt to kind of define who define people by whether they're a Zoe or a Zelda. Yeah, basically their, their, their suggestion is that everyone in the world fits into the category as a Zelda or a Zoe. Yeah, yeah, which is obviously ridiculous. Um, because the, the only one that actually works, obviously, is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Are you a Leonardo, a Donatello... A Raphael or a Michelangelo? I would always like to be a, a Michelangelo. Oh, yeah, the, the kind of cool, like, yeah, man, let's get some pizza. Yeah, yeah, let's eat some yeah, cheese, yeah, totally. cheese pizza, which is my favorite kind of pizza. Yeah, it's a great, uh, it's but a great pizza. I, I have to admit this, I don't think I know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles well enough <laughs> to say I, to say their name, but I'm also to to say who, who, I, who am I, Ben? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I think you're a Michelangelo. And is there like a, a kind of uptight neurotic one? <laughs> Why do you ask? <laughs> oh, just, I was, oh, I've just got... <laughs> he asked neurotically. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think like Raphael is like angry and kind of like does his own thing and then you've got uh, leonardo who's the leader and you've got donatello who's the kind of um engineer one kind of thing so yeah uh, he creates all the cool stuff so who are you um well a april 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only. I suppose maybe I would be the April, considering, you know, journalism. But anyway, I don't know. I always kind of identified with Raphael when I was younger, but I feel like I've got my anger a little bit under control these days. Does Raphael have the, the staff? No, that's Donatello. Oh, no, Raphael has the little forky thing. The sigh, on. yeah. Yeah, the forky thingies, I believe, is the traditional term for them. Yeah, I think that's what the Japanese call it, yeah. Uh, anyway, do you think you're a Zoe or a Zelda? Uh, which one was which again? So Zelda's the sunny, fun-loving extrovert. Zoe's the smart, cynical introvert. I think that I am 70% the Zoe. No, it's you have to choose one. Well... Okay, I choose to be 70%. No, um, I I think that I'd have to go with the sunny, fun-loving one, to be fair. Yeah, I think you do. And you are definitely, if I am that one, and yeah, I have to pick yeah. one, then you are definitely, definitely the, Zelda the as Zelda. well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're, I'm a Zoe, let's be real. So, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's a fun kind of thought process, but I, uh, stupid as well, which Bojax uh, takes that stance throughout the show. And he also... Um, you can see his transition from Zelda to Zoe a little bit in this episode. So when he was younger, when he was first getting into stand-up, he's very much a Zelda, and now he's, like, super Zoe, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, don't they even, in that um, in that flashback of him doing stand-up, Herb offers him a drink, and he says he doesn't drink? Yeah, yeah, which is really interesting. Uh, Do you know, I, although this episode isn't as heavy... Uh, as previous ones that we've done on the podcast, I noticed a lot more stuff I'd never noticed before in this one compared to the first three we watched. Like, I noticed a lot more this episode, and it's like my fifth time watching it, that I'd never noticed before. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those ones that doesn't really stand out among the episodes, but no, it it's doesn't. enjoyable. But, like, the first thing he says to... Um, Herb Kazaz, the first sentence you ever hear him say in the show is get cancer jerkwad, which I have li- honestly never noticed before. And of course, spoiler alert, Herb dies of cancer. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, uh, a season, two seasons later? Yeah, something like that. Season um, two, I think it is. You know, that just shows how much thought goes into the show that the first line is foreshadowing something so far down the track. This episode's very clever at setting up a lot. Like, it's very much a set-up-a-lot-of-future-stuff episode, which can often be really rubbish. But this one yeah, manages yeah. to still be a really fun, enjoyable episode, so I enjoyed my rewatch of it. And Oh, I did too. Yeah. It, it was over a lot quicker in terms of, like, it, kind of not a lot happened. Yeah. So it just suddenly ended, and I was like, oh, that's a nice little episode. Yeah, <laughs> it does seem to <laughs> fly by in a way. So we start to see how Bojack and Todd's relationship works, mm-hmm. um, and there's a bit of development in that here. We, <laughs> Sorry, I just had to laugh, because we see them at a roast of Gloria Steinem, which might be... Like, one of the most incredible concepts I've ever heard. Like, one of those um, Comedy Central roasts yeah. <laughs> of Gloria Steinem. Of one of the most foremost feminist writers in the entire history of the world. So, I, I enjoyed that concept. Um, and we meet Wayne, who is Diane's ex, uh, who kind of introduces the idea of the Zoe and the Zelda. And they've all kind of said what they are. And they're like, oh, Bojack, what do you think you are? And he says, oh, I think I'm above this. Mr. Peanut Butter says, I said the Zoe, uh, and everybody laughs, except, and this is a really nice little moment, but Diane doesn't laugh at that joke. She kind of just shakes her head a little bit. Because she doesn't tend to laugh at other people's sort of, um, 
you know, she doesn't laugh at people a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I also love how um, Mr. Peanut Butter's having a BuzzFeed writer following him. Oh, yeah. I use the term writer very loosely. And um, uh, and <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter goes, BuzzFeed, what do they think of next? <laughs> 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 he's on fire in this episode he really is mr peanut butter is so wholesome in season one oh, i know um and we get the feeling that wayne is there to try and win back diane um and mr peanut butter does not see him as a threat at all because he's so like self-confident and so willing to see the best in people um that he doesn't even say to them at one point he's like he's like you guys have so much in common why on earth did you break up yeah he does yeah later (laughs) on um, which is so i don't know there's just something so winning about it like something so charming about that where he's just like i'm not gonna see anybody as like uh, somebody actually out there to try and like take away my love he's just like whatever you know absolutely and it also says so much about how much he values and respects diane yeah exactly yeah like oh your ex is here but he's i don't care because i know you love me and i love you so who cares write your buzzfeed article wayne (laughs) 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 then uh, todd introduces the idea that he has a rock opera and so we that introduces the main storyline so todd gets to be in the main storyline yay exciting and you know you know how we were saying earlier that this episode it feels like not a lot happens the rock opera provides one of the biggest points of tension and like um relationship challenges in the entire show between todd and bojack ongoingly but it's such a sort of it's such a seemingly unimportant moment in this well, it's important in this episode, but it sort of feels like you don't take it in that much at this point. Yeah, it's a almost throwaway thing that seems like it's just there. And if this was any other show, it would literally just be like, oh, here's a thing that happens and yeah, yeah. it teaches us about their relationship a little bit. But it actually becomes this huge part of their relationship, which is super fascinating and really clever. Can I just bring us back quickly, sorry, when they were playing the clip of Mr. Peanut Butter's house. At the end of it, it did like that classic credit thing where the final... Uh, shot of the sitcom is frozen and then it says the names of the two uh writers of the of mr peanut butter's house oh, okay and it said it said david chase and stephen boncho and i recognized the name david chase so i was like who are they giving shit to in this episode by saying they wrote mr peanut butter and david chase is like he was the main producer on the sopranos oh and stephen boncho was like 20 years of the main producer for all these pretty crime dramas like hill street blues nypd blue <laughs> and, and i love how they've got those two dudes like mr peanut butter like, so good. <laughs> oh. like you have to be such a loser to google that but here i am feeling really accomplished no doing Ashton, that. it is our job as as podcast hosts <laughs> it is our job to google that you're right you're right so yeah uh the rock opera newtopia rising book one the search for a new utopia <laughs> uh, and he's like it's part tommy part cirque du soleil sexuality blah blah, blah. it's kind of ridiculous thing he plays the whole thing and um pc is on two phones the whole time texting uh, yeah and then uh, it gets to the end and he's it's like we never made us one two slaves just say slaves slaves and then Bojack says, that was worse, and I don't say this lightly, than 100 September 11th. <laughs> so and, then, and then Todd goes, well, I guess I'll just give up. And Bojack goes, that's the spirit. Yeah, yeah. 
and that reminds me of a line Bojack said a bit earlier when he's giving Todd shit about not like how Bojack doesn't want to hear the uh, the uh, uh, musical, and Bojack says, "Say something to someone enough, and eventually they internalize it. The system works." Yeah, which is you know a very accurate. <laughs> it's very accurate, and it's like a, it's an interesting way that he's kind of weaponized his own damage. Yeah, and how great is um how great is Todd's musical though? The fact that he has a line that is a planet rich with loam yeah. just really does it for me. Like I I I mean I don't know heaps of musicals, but it's about time that loam was getting a, a shout out in a rhyming couplet verse. Yeah, shout out to loam. Shout out to Loam. Doesn't get enough attention, to be honest. Doesn't get the respect it deserves. Is it? Is it like a wheat-type product? No, no, it's just fertile soil. Oh, no, no, they did, they did explain that in the episode, yeah, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, and he says they're, a, right. they're agricultural people, and Bojack says, on a spaceship. So I think, actually, the joke writing in this episode is really good. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so we get kind of that, that the, the funny but terrible, like intentionally terrible, worse than 100 September 11th, um, which is making which the joke is not a, about September 11 it's about like Bojack thinking of the worst thing he can possibly think of and being a shitty enough person to kind of say it to his friend 100% at no point is the joke wasn't September 11th funny the joke yeah, is yeah. Who, who the fuck would say that and especially about a musical yeah yeah <laughs> and, and then he has another one later he said I would rather have the holocaust every four years like the Olympics than listen to it again which in terms of joke writing is fucking flawlessly written <laughs> it's, like <laughs> it's super funny because it, it's uh, it's like it's so ridiculous that of course he doesn't actually believe it. Yeah, I don't I think it's this is one of those moments where it cleverly navigates that kind of offensive jokes, um, that dark humor. Yeah, and what it says about the character who is making that comment is yes. more is the point. It says much more about Bojack for thinking that joke was a appropriate, but b a good comparison than anything else. And Bojack says something about how he's, I think it's Bojack says this, but there's the line, I'm his own personal mother, Teresa. Yes. And the reason I wrote that down is, what year do you think that uh, Mother Teresa was canonized? Oh, well, I mean, she died in like the 90s, right? So it would have been early 2000s, probably. Do you know, and this is, um, it was 2016, Oh, really? And I know, and this is one of those things, I came across this when I was talking with one of my students about the Mandela effect, you know, those things that we collectively learn incorrectly and then we think, uh, well, some people try and describe as being like a glitch in the parallel universe's crossover. Oh, oh, yeah, but yeah, Mother, like Mother, Mother, Mother Teresa is one of those things where, like, I totally would have said in the 90s, early 2000s at the latest, but like four years ago. Hmm. Yeah. What, do you know any other Mandela effects, Ben? Well, I just said the Berenstein Bears. Uh, oh, yes. That's yep, a big yep, one. Um, nope, that's it. That's all I got right now. Is it um, Looney Tunes or Looney Tunes? I honestly wouldn't know. I don't either, I mean, but apparently that's one that people talk about. <laughs> Looney Tunes makes the most sense. But uh, then again, the the origin of the Looney Tunes came from like little musical clips. So it's very possibly yes. Looney Tunes. Yeah, well, there you go. That's 100% right. And anyway, I'm going to move on from the Mandela effect. My whole opinion of it is that we collectively learn these things incorrectly 
because someone quotes it somewhere and then we all pass it on as that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like it happens all the time on the internet. Yeah. Somebody just throws. It. So what's there's one. There's a Shakespeare one where I can't remember where everyone keeps quoting it as Shakespeare and it's not Shakespeare. So I'm I'm willing to go on the record here on the BoJack uh, Horse Friends podcast saying that I don't believe it's two parallel universes crossing over, and I know that's controversial, but I've oh, said it. Oh, can we talk about? Oh no, that, I mean, okay. There is a there are people who believe that this parallel universes thing, right? They believe that given that there are infinite parallel universes, that real life versions of fictional characters exist in these parallel universes. And that what? through getting to <laughs> know these fictional characters through their representations in a piece of uh, media, they can become closer to these fictional characters and effectively have a relationship with them they'll be like yeah i'm in a relationship with i can't remember the name of it now i really want to google it i think the name of it is fucking stupid (laughs) um (laughs) i mean i i don't think we can trust humans when it comes to this sort of thing i watched a clip on youtube the other day about a guy that was uh marrying a theme park ride so (laughs) <laughs> yeah well it was the woman who was sexually attracted to the eiffel tower there's a whole the documentary about guys who have sex with cars oh damn i wish i could remember the name of it oh well. yeah so this this idea this, this is a really fascinating idea that you can like that they somehow had such a connection with this fictional character and they've created a bigger version of them in their head and then justified their kind of um obsession with this fictional character by referring to parallel universe theory, which I think is just like, oh, wild. It's absolutely wild. (laughs) (laughs) And that's our Bojack Horseman podcast. Uh, Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) We're up to where... um... Diane convinces Bojack to help Todd. Uh, It says, you you want to show that you're a good person, you know what, then actually take good actions in, in not so many words. Um, and I was reminded of that old adage, you know, if you want to know what a man is like, look at not how he treats his equals, but how he treats his inferiors. Yeah, and yeah. in this case, Todd is, uh, I suppose, economically inferior um, and, and status inferior to Bojack. And so the way that he treats Todd tells us a lot about Bojack. And so he decides to be a better person at the, at Diane's behest to help Todd with the rock opera, the space opera, for whatever reason. Um, um, no rock Speaking opera, of the way Bojack treats people, I don't want to skip over this the really really awkward sex scene between Bojack and PC. Sorry, did you mean where, the greatest um, sex scene of all time? <laughs> well, there's two actually in this wonderful episode. The first one, he's like, "How's that for you? Is it working for you?" And she goes, "You're not even inside of me." And then he comes and goes, "Did you get there?" <laughs> and the second one, he's like, "He's like, are you close? Are you close?" And she walks in brushing her teeth. <laughs> What is it he says? Um, you ready for daddy's good stuff? Are you enjoying daddy's good stuff? And she comes in brushing her teeth and she's like, not especially. <laughs> and then he comes and goes, did you get there? And she's in the background brushing her teeth. Oh, oh. so good. So, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> sorry. I love that sex scene. Those sex scenes are so, so funny. funny. Eh? He's such and an asshole though. He really is. He really is. But then he does, you know, go on to try and help Todd uh, in earnest. And he is kind of listening to Todd and then he's trying to give feedback, but it's all terrible feedback. And then Todd goes, you're none of your notes are any good. And he goes, well, if these people had a reason for going into the caves when the queen expressly forbid them to, then maybe I, I would give good notes. And he's like, you are listening. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have one of those ridiculously. And you, what if they were working for the queen who gave them a magic potion who did it to protect <laughs> them from the reaper? Like in unison. And I thought it was kind of an interesting insight into creative process. Uh, obviously, this is completely fictional and completely ridiculous. But when you try and create something with somebody else, you really have to find a good balance with people, which I've always mm. found very interesting because I've worked with you know a few people and sometimes it's worked really well and sometimes it hasn't worked well at all. But I think that you know you and I, we do work really well together. We have kind of a good dynamic. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've and... got a bit of a Zelda and a Zoe thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I guess we, can't, we like <laughs> complement each other in, in terms of... We, we're also very good at taking each other's feedback we're good yeah. at like not being afraid to kind of offer our opinions and to just say like yeah i like that idea or no i don't like that idea we also motivate each other where with some people you know they get excited or i'll get excited and then the other person's uh won't seem to be as excited as i am and so i lose interest or vice versa and yeah, yeah. you and i seem to kind of bounce off each other and keep each other going which i think is really cool yeah, we're really lucky like that. And it's totally hard when you haven't worked with someone before because you have to, like, now when someone approaches me about a project, I have to really think, uh, not just do I like the project, but are we going to work well together? Because there's nothing worse than committing to something and then finding out that you just don't clip creatively. And it, yeah. can, it can just ruin the creative experience entirely. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, there's so much more to just having two talented people in a room to creating um there's a that thing about chemistry which is kind of so like uh, wanky but it is actually real if you don't yeah, yeah. if you don't have that with the person you're working with then just no speaking of people speak, speaking of people that are difficult to work with in this episode and i can't remember the context but it cuts to bojack and he says and that was the last time i worked with david o russell um, yeah and, that was um mr peanut butter said that oh mr peanut and that was the last, wrong voice then and that was the last time i worked with david o russell and um david o russell is famously one of the worst directors to to work with you can see clips of him on youtube going absolutely mental at his actors on the set of i heart huckabees oh. and it's so like honestly like swearing like why the fuck do i bother doing this shit like screaming it i think it's francis mcdormand but i can't remember who the actress is um, and he he famously fell out with like George Clooney on the set of Three Three Kings. Yeah, David O. Russell, amazing director. I mean, he did like Silver Linings Playbook and uh, The Fighter with Christian Bale, American Hustle, which I never actually saw, but it had good actors in it. Yeah, um, and that made me think of Christian Bale's rant on the set of uh, Terminator Salvation. Yeah, um, you know, do I? When I'm doing this scene, you walk in and you fucking do the fucking lights, you know. I have always thought that that was 100% justified given the state of mind Christian Bale would have been in okay. as, a me as a method actor. The only thing, like, I don't know necessarily whether it's ever justified to treat anyone like that. However, what I can say is in the little film that I've done, trying to do an, a scene when people are moving in your sightline is fucking impossible. Yeah, yeah. If they're not part of the actual scene, if they're crew or if they're, um, you know, people who are not supposed to be in this scene and they're in your sightline behind the camera and they're doing dumb shit, it is 
infuriatingly distracting so imagine being an actor like christian bale who in my opinion is one of the greatest actors in the world of all time Mm. and he is a famously a method actor so the way that he approaches acting isn't the click on click off that a lot of actors do and he's doing a scene where he's no doubt playing a psychotic character and some fucking idiot walks on set to adjust the light i mean yeah he shouldn't have probably acted like that but fuck i'm with him <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can, I can kind of give him a little bit of leeway on that one i feel a bit um but but it's not justified because that movie was so fucking bad that i pretend, <laughs> I pretend christian bale wasn't in it people, i'm like christian bale's never done a bad film and people are like what about terminator salvation i'm like he wasn't in that <laughs> what about uh what about, it's the same with me and tom hardy and venom <laughs> uh, but at least at least venom can get away with being shit because you can just write it off as a bad comic book movie i think comic I book guess. movies have more of that leeway a, a little bit as opposed to a film mind you terminator's not exactly meant to be taken seriously but why did christian bale do a film where the director's full name was mick g <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hardy in in Venom, like, you can just see almost, (laughs) you you could, if you rearrange the scenes, you could put them in order of how they were shot by how much effort Tom Hardy's putting into the role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But also, can we not waste Michelle Williams in such a bad role? So ridiculous. Oh, man, how did they fuck up that film in the year that it was made, is what annoys me. It had everything going for it. There was no reason it it could have been, it should have been a shitty film. If you can make a a great Deadpool film, you can make a great Venom film. But it was, it was almost as bad as, like, Ang Lee's Hulk. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when the director of Brokeback Mountain did a Hulk movie? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Back to it. Back to it. So uh, we we see um, somebody getting a steak at a diner, and a cow <laughs> serves him. And he's like, "I wrote that down too." Sorry, uh, which I love. And again, we've got another episode coming up all about that, which I'm very excited for. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we get M- Mr. Peanut Butter saying the kind of first version of "Fool Me Once," and he says, "Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice." which is is a great one and there's a a few more and i'll just bring them together because i think they're funnier all at once fool me once shame on you teach a man to fool me and i'll be fooled for the rest of my life (laughs) is that the guy that's there to review the rock opera yeah van cleef uh and then we've got uh todd at the end says fool me once fool me twice fool me chicken soup with rice (laughs) (laughs) Which, which is the actual saying, obviously. Obviously, yeah. So he's the only one who gets it right. <laughs> so uh, we learn about Decapathon, which is the game that destroyed Todd's life with a gaming addiction. Um, which is, right. You know, gaming addiction is an interesting one because it definitely can be a thing, but also, like, stop it. <laughs> just, 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 just stop it. If right now yeah. you're, you're gaming and you should be doing some work, don't do the gaming. And yeah, I mean, obviously, like it can be a problem, but really, it's more of a symptom, I think, of somebody's own mental health problems than an actual mm. problem in itself. Uh, and Diane wants to go see an exhibition. Um, did you get the name of the exhibition, Diane? Uh, someone? I did not. No, me neither. Uh, but um, Mr. Peanut Butter wants to go to the burrito the size of your head day at El, Ta- El, L- El Loco Taco. Um, and Wayne says that he'll go with Diane to the exhibition. She's like, uh, n- n- doesn't end up going, ends up going to the burrito thing, and they're both wearing the t-shirt later on, which is pretty great. The first 
doubt about Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter's relationship starts yeah, to come in. Yeah, they've got seemingly nothing in common on the surface. Yeah, and also Mr. Peanut Butter seems to prioritize what he wants, even mm. if it's ridiculous. Like, And that does become a, a key point of conflict between the two of them. Yeah. Exactly. And Wayne's like, you should just be with me. Come on. Like, we're perfect together. And he's like, and she says, no, you're mean. You're, you're, you know, like, you're smart and you're funny, but you're, you're just, you're mean. And he says the, the title of his BuzzFeed article was going to be nine jokes from the 90s we haven't stopped laughing at yet. So, again, it's another bit of setup for the later on episodes about Diana, and Mr. Peanut Butter. Later on, Mr. Peanut Butter ties it all over, ties, like, kind of, not ties it all over. What's the word? What's that saying? T- Ties it all together? No, no, no. Smooths it all over. Smooths it all together. Smooths it all together. (laughs) Fuck me. By um, buying (laughs) Diane exhibition tickets to uh, the exhibition in San Francisco, which is where it's going next. Um, Which, of course, is, you know, his privilege kind of winning him the girl. Yeah, yeah. So they get Van Cleef on board this famous guy in the, in the rock opera world and you kind of learn you, you get this insight into people who think that they're really people who are really really big in a really small world like yeah, the, yeah, and, yeah. And the arrogance and, that they can they can exude so just to, to remind everyone what we're talking about they bring van cleef in to see todd's musical to see if they can like actually make it into a you know, a proper theatrical musical in an actual theater. So Van Cleef is sort of like your your guy to impress yeah. kind of guy. And um, he does an amazing line about <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> um, he's like, Andrew Lloyd Webber has to be a real hot penis about everything. <laughs> oh, Andy. <laughs> um, and like, is such a hot penis that is the most accurate <laughs> description i've heard of andrew led weber and don't get me wrong i i love his his musicals but he is a hot penis and he also not hot as an attractive i mean like an annoying penis um and he he totally ripped off the rift to echoes by pink floyd for phantom of the opera mm, well i mean to be honest like you say you like his musicals and i disagree <laughs> in a large part can't stand cats Oh, I um, can't stand cats. Phantom's fine. <laughs> Phantom's uh, good, and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar is my favorite. And I like—I've got a soft spot for Joseph. Right? Yeah, yeah. Anybody who did Joseph at high school by nature has to love that play for nostalgia reasons. Which you know, it hasn't aged overly well. Given there's a song where they all sing in Jamaican. <laughs> And in the lyrics, you mean the, in a Jamaican uh, accent? In a, sorry, in a Jamaican accent, and the words are even written as like "D steel drum" instead of "the steel <laughs> drum." It's D E in the script, and I directed it a few years ago at the private Christian school I work at, and I didn't realize until opening night when they all came out on stage and sung in like blackface, bad Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs> In blackface, and um, <laughs> but I didn't realize how problematic that was yeah. um, in, until opening night. And by then, it was it, I'd already been paid, so I could check out anyway. <laughs> they weren't in blackface. Let's be clear about that. No, no, no. They let's let's uh, you know. Van Cleef's there, and uh, they uh, Bojack introduces by the the rock opera by saying, you know, this is really rough. It's terrible. Please, you know, just just keep that in mind that it's it's that Todd is not a singer or a writer or talented, um, and 
Then he introduces Todd and opens the closet <laughs> where Todd has been standing the, the whole time. <laughs> I love, I love thinking about how long Todd was standing <laughs> no. in that cupboard before Bojack opens it to let him out. <laughs> so good. And uh, <laughs> so he, uh, Van Cleef is like, oh yeah, um, you know what? It needs a third act showstopper. But aside from that, it is spellbinding. Um, and he, he he loves the idea of it, and so he Im- invites him to go and do an investor performance to try and get investors yeah. for it. And, and uh, this is an important note that I wrote down. Um, I just noticed for the first time that Todd has a lot of neck hair. He does. He does. I have n- I have never noticed his patchy little puby <laughs> Homer Simpson esque neck hair before, and it made me it made me giggle. I think I love that. Uh, no matter how clean and tidy todd gets he always has that stubble i just it tickles me i don't know why to be fair that is one part of todd in particular that i relate to like <laughs> if you've ever seen me dressed up it's like it's like trying to try, like trying to shove cousin it into a tuxedo t-shirt <laughs> if i'd lost a bit of weight. um <laughs> but it is a bit like that i remember having like a, a photo day for my work this year and my brother-in-law happened to be staying here and when I came out of the room he was like oh man you are not going to photo day like that (laughs) and he came and like did my collar redid my tie like (laughs) um and in the theater coming back to the episode I love how it pans across and there's a beaver chopping wood with his teeth and someone see that so it just pans across to the theater stage and as it pans across someone pushes the beaver and the beaver bends at his waist and it like <laughs> chops the wood and i thought that was a lovely little animal joke oh. there we do get we get another animal joke where um bojack mentions pushing birds out of the nest and then it cuts <laughs> to him with like a mother bird and, uh, and an open window and the mother bird's like i just i thought she was ready it's <laughs> not your so fault <laughs> <laughs> um oh sorry i've got this note here what does that mean oh yeah so he oh he comes in and says you know if this is a success i might be able to move out and that's right yeah bojack is suddenly very put out by this and he you know you can tell that he doesn't want to be alone which i think is something somebody mentions but he he would rather actually like ruin his friend's life than be honest about how he feels yeah with with himself even and it's a real bad trait that a lot of people have that will just destroy any relationship. You know, people will kind of say, will do really toxic, negative things rather than just being like, oh, actually, you know what? I, I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm worried yeah. about that, which is crazy. So we see, you know, a little bit of the Bojack's toxicity is coming in. And and so they say, Todd says, let's go back to the house and we'll work on my third act showstopper. So we're ready for the investors and performance. And Bojack's like, let's get Red Bull and snacks before we go. And Todd says, oh, I do get snacky. You think of all the best ideas. So they go to the shop. The 812, not the 7-Eleven. They, uh, <laughs> they find a video game in like a, a penny bin or dime bin or whatever it is. And a character actress, Margot Martindale, is there and says, hey, can you pass me that CD of somebody? And he sees it and he's like, what? Decapathon 7 for a dime? Oh, I'll just, he's like, I shouldn't get it. I'm And Bojack suddenly is like, you know, this is no time for a relapse. Yeah, yeah. And Bojack's being so seemingly genuine. Like when I was rewatching this, I was like, oh, Bojack's really trying to prevent Todd from lapsing into video game addiction so he can finish his rock opera yeah but i mean in some ways it's it does seem 
earnest but really if you think about it like that's not how bojack is like if, if he really wanted to stop todd from playing that game he would just grab it and snap yeah, it in half exactly. and be like nope you can't have that and so it's almost like the the episode tricks you before it goes back and shows what actually happened it tricks yeah. you into almost seeing the side of bojack that you always wish he had and so yes. you buy into it so easily because you because bojack's the the protagonist when he starts doing something really genuine you're like oh this is the bojack i like even though it's not yeah. a bojack that doesn't actually exist and then the episode <laughs> completely makes you regret feeling that for bojack and the writing in that aspect is fucking amazing it's so good so bojack kind of encourages his addiction his gaming addiction which uh, is, is another kind of recurring theme where bojack is he tends to encourage other people's addiction in a way to kind of justify his own and we've all probably been there where people have like tried to peer pressure you until you know doing something you didn't necessarily want to do you oh know. yeah yeah when you got that mate who comes around and they're like i'm not actually drinking at the moment and, and yeah and you're like yeah but we're drinking tonight obviously <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but, i mean you know that's one thing but then to to be like i'll have another you know it's like okay i'll have one drink and then it's like oh just do these shots oh just you know yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. and the next thing you know you're standing in a kebab shop on k road yelling at other patrons um (laughs) (laughs) so he sits down and he's like i'm gonna play one game of decapathon before i start and bojack's like no you shouldn't do that i'm going to bed and goes to bed and then of course todd gets out decapathon and it turns out to be like this dumb tetris game yeah yeah the menu is like this like violent looking (laughs) game with like a guy's head bleeding and stuff and then it cuts to todd playing and he's literally playing like a tetris clone (laughs) (laughs) which is a good gag and so he's too tired the next day he's been playing all night and he's too tired for his his investor gig which of course bojack had completely planned Um, yes and um i I love how this morning scene starts with a rooster running past the house going (laughs) wake up, it's morning <laughs> <laughs> which is such a great gag it's a good one it's just a, it's just a gag filled episode this one like i really like it in terms of it's it's i suppose after the last few which were pretty heavy if you, if, you know considering what we talked about the all of the um sarah lynn stuff yeah yeah we had all of the like bojack hates the troops stuff like it was it was pretty dark so this was a nice kind of jokey funny but still really giving us some nice character development. And the obviously he can't perform. And he just goes, loam, 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 loam. <laughs> Which, you know, obviously I would have invested in. Shout out to Yeah, Lone, immediately. Maybe. And he, the investors are, like, not impressed. And he's like, rock opera, more like schlock. schlock. Yeah. Very clever wordplay. And Van Cleef is... You know, obviously I have portrayed a rare lapse in judgment. And I'm just... Can you talk? I want to look up who voices Van Cleef. Well, actually, what I wanted to talk about there anyway is um, just a shout out to character actress Margot Martindale. Um, Margot Martindale is a real actress who plays, who is a character actress. And the show Bojack, over its seasons, goes to such great lengths to give Margot Martindale the... um, the attention and respect she deserves. If you look up Margot Martindale on IMDb, she has the most impressive CV, like, honestly, ever, yet uh, no one knows who she is. And so whenever Bojack needs um, someone to play an actor within 
Bojack's life, <laughs> they get character actress Margot Martindale, and they call her that every time, and she's so fucking gold. And she voices herself as yeah, well, yeah. which is and amazing. It's, it's so wonderful. And I just really love how the show clearly has a lot of respect for Margot Martindale. Oh, yeah. Like, it's kind of like one of those, a lot of their deep cuts, you know, but in this case, it's like, okay, this person we know is amazing, so let's bring her on and just make her, let everybody know who she is, because everybody needs to know who she is. Prior to Bojack mentioning her as character actress, Margot Martindale, never heard of her. So amazing. That's the kind of career that's ideal, because you can still live like a normal human. Um. (laughs) Um, And speaking of amazing actors, um, the voice of Van Cleef is Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, no way! Yes, so he's now done, you know, Mr. Peanut Butter consistently, and he did Andrew Garfield, and he's doing Van Cleef. Shit, that dude can make his voice unrecognizable eh? super talented dude mr peanut butter sounds the most like how paul f tompkins does mm. comparatively to those other two characters you just listed but van cleef doesn't sound anything like him no or andrew garfield for that matter <laughs> andrew garfield. <laughs> oh bother um, <laughs> and so uh bojack's like how dare you todd may may not have being good at this or whatever but he's a good friend and he's like i'm not sure how that's relevant and he goes of course you're not um and he's basically a good friend <laughs> i'm not sure how that's relevant uh so uh yeah um so bojack kind of basically insults van cleef and calls him all kinds of names and tells that he'll pack his mouth shut or something uh and storms out and Todd's like, maybe we shouldn't burn our bridge so I can beg for a second chance. And he's like, no, um, suck a dick, dumb shits. Uh, and he, yeah, storms off. Suck a dick, dumb shits is Sarah Lynn saying, eh? Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's already been introduced prior to Bojack saying it, eh? Yeah, we learned about it in the last episode. Right. And very tellingly, he tells Van Cleef that he's going to die alone and sad, which is actually what he was terrified of. Yeah, that's Bojack's biggest fear. And so, of course, he's going to use that as an insult to someone else. So they go off and uh, we quickly switch to um, Wayne and Diane talking and Diane's like, no, I don't want to be with you. You're mean, you're horrible. And he says, you know what? You're in. You're out here pretending to be a Zelda, uh, pretending to like burritos as big as your head, but it, you'll always be a Zoe. And eventually the darkness inside of you will come out. And he storms off. And then the camera pans to Mr. Peanut Butter. And he goes, I like that guy. <laughs> he was there the whole time. And that <laughs> conversation starts with him trying to get Diane to leave Mr. Peanut Butter as well. <laughs> and- um, and then we uh, see Bojack go up to Margot Martindale's house and give her some money and say, you know, thank you for helping me. Essentially implying that, as we now know, you know, he intentionally ruined Todd's chance because he didn't want to be alone. So that's the moment where, as I said earlier, where we realized that we never should have thought that Bojack was acting genuinely and we feel silly for thinking that Bojack has the capacity to do that. But it won't be the last time that we <laughs> think Bojack is doing something non-selfishly and then are reminded that the character we are weirdly rooting for is kind of a dick. Mm, yep. Um, a heart penis, if you will. Uh, yeah. Ooh, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know something um, else I noticed in this episode, which I've never noticed before? There's a flashback earlier on where Todd is talking about how the, the video game ruined his one of his relationships, and it's a very brief flashback, and it cuts to Todd playing the game, um, and you see the, like the 
chin and arm of his girlfriend and it's the same character design of the girl that comes back into his life in season four and that is amazing that's so cool yeah that's really clever i don't know how they come up with that shit it's almost like man oh this episode is just kind of like the this it's just full it's so full and maybe that's why it goes by so so quickly although it's not necessarily like the deepest in terms of the themes that it's tackling yeah yeah it is really really good in terms of the the how much they're packing into it oh absolutely and the way that it sets up like even like the way he says uh get cancer jerk onto her pizzazz and the the appearance of todd's girlfriend who comes back like four seasons later and stuff that shows what good writing can do when something is really planned out from the beginning Mm. so george lucas if you're listening um you can't just keep slapping it together and acting as though that was (laughs) that was the plan (laughs) he was was intended to be kind of anti-semitic the whole time it's a callback (laughs) man the new Uh, trilogy what a shit show especially the last one man rise of, oh man have you seen rise of skywalker yeah oh yeah. that was like, honestly i i'm one of those rare people who kind of like the last jedi because at least had the balls to try and extend or take the story in a slightly different direction and yeah, rise i of enjoyed Sky- force awakens oh same force awakens was great as a reboot yeah. kind of feel yeah i enjoyed force awakens i enjoyed uh the last jedi somewhat yeah but but man alive the rise of skywalker it was was an abomination and it annoys me so much that abrams pandered to the the 40 year old dudes who were so angry about the last jedi (sighs) and it should be struck from canon and it's like dudes you're full-grown fucking adults star wars isn't for you anymore like (laughs) (laughs) like i mean it, the thing is about Star Wars is that it should have it should have mass appeal, yes. right? Like that's we've the got, whole point of it. We've got to stop it's... acting like it was this that it was ever this hugely serious. Like even yeah. like the original Star Wars when they came out, they were critically panned. Like, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, the the plot of Star Wars isn't that far from Todd's rock opera in this episode. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> from what we learn about it, at least. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, we're not... Uh, yeah, we've got to stop talking about this. We're not doing a Star Wars podcast, but... Um, oh, why not? Yeah. We've got time. We finished the episode in record time. <laughs> yeah, but I just want to say, fuck people that get that angry about Star Wars. You make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing about the, the Rise of Sky... Not the... Is it... Yeah, yeah the, the Rise last of Skywalker. one. The complete bullshit it, fan service asshole one. It was just so bland like i came out of it and i got to the end of it and i was like i didn't hate that but i didn't like it like it it makes me deeply angry but not in like a (laughs) outraged way more in like a i can't believe that this happened (laughs) like it's it's like when you try and it's like when you like go for a sip of coffee and it's it's not quite like cold yet but it's just kind of like that oh yeah it's it's drinkable but do i really want to and and just like that cold coffee you paid $19.50 for it and (laughs) (laughs) and you can't get that that money back um the one thing that really annoyed me, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about The Rise of Skywalker, was at the very end when Ray was like, my name's Ray. Ray oh. who? Ray Skywalker. Skywalker. And it's like, <laughs> in none of the 
in no way is that even metaphorically accurate in any of the movie's conflicting <laughs> storylines. Like, Luke barely even begun to take you under his wing. Like, and, and uh. Leia was just this terrible CGI. Oh, God, don't get me started about Carrie Fisher. I know we love Carrie Fisher, but she is not a good actress. Yeah, yeah, she, she, uh, great, great human. A great, great human. But also, like, the CGI acting. Oh, so bad. So bad. And then she's delivering all her lines like this, Ray. Oh, don't even... <laughs> fucking hell. Never underestimate a droid, Ray. Fucking hell. Never underestimate how bad your CGI is. Abrams. We all saw... We all saw Cavill's face in the beginning of Justice League. <laughs> 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 you good you good fucking jj abrams <laughs> right uh yeah thanks thanks for listening everybody if you made it this far <laughs> i tuned out about 10 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> um uh we, yeah we've been ben and uh that guy hello oh wait no signing off bar uh, ashton <laughs> what did oh, you want to say You've been Ben and Ashton. I'll do your name from now on. You're not allowed to do your own name. Ben. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've been Ashton. And I've been Ben, and we've been the uh, the BoJack Horse Friends. BoJack Horse Friends. <laughs> Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. We'd love to hear your thoughts We'd on love JJ Abrams. We'd love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> now we've got the outro music. This is the I'm outro I'm so sorry. He's tired. Music. It's been a long week. Music. Right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>